0: Um, uh, we now get to the part of uh, psalms where we 're getting to the we 're getting to the very end. This is the joyful part. this is the joyful part of the psalms um, uh, Psalm one hundred and forty six is the very first of the last five psalms, which many people have called the hallelujah psalms. so these final five all Start and end with the same word. Psalm 146 begins with the word hallelujah, and it ends with the word hallelujah. Psalm 147, hallelujah, and it ends with hallelujah. 148, 149, 150 ends in a final crescendo of hallelujah. Hallelujah is Hebrew for praise Jehovah. That's what it means. It means praise the Lord, praise Yahweh, praise Jehovah. Uh, when we get to this, we are now at the final part where we are giving all praise and glory to the one who deserves all praise. So I'm going to read Psalm 146, and if you've been here this summer, you know we have been reading um, the King James Version. The King James Version uh, is a bit more poetic, a bit more iambic. Is that correct? No, (laughs) no. (laughs) Tiffany's like, is that correct? No. (laughs) Musical of nature. Here's Psalm 146. This is the word of the Lord, and we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Psalm 146. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, while I praise the Lord, I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, in that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever." Which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, today, what I want to talk about is praise and trust, okay? So that's, that's what I'm laying down before y'all. What I want to talk about is praising. What we do, we praise. We praise God. But in fact, we praise many things, right? We praise many things. Um, uh, years ago in our old house, I had laid down hardwood floor in our kitchen And I had done it all. Uh, I guess I didn't press the wood or anything, but um, I did all the work the way that you do now, which is I followed a YouTube video and did everything the YouTube video told me to do, and it it, it turned out beautiful. And I, I laid down this hardwood floor in our kitchen, and it was gorgeous. I loved it. It was gorgeous. And the way we had done it where we had to take out a wall, and because of that, we couldn't run the wood... It, there, was a, there was a break where we couldn't run the wood because the wood was already in the dining room. And so we ran wood uh, perpendicular in that one section to where the other wood was. And I, I thought it was beautiful. I just loved it. I thought it was just great and gorgeous. And in fact, like, after we did it, I would get up in the middle of the night. <laughs> and I would, like, I would just go down and, like, turn on, turn on the light and just, just look at it. Like, look how, look how good that looks. Just look how good that looks. And then people would come over, and I, I couldn't do anything until I said, "Hey, have you seen our, have you seen our kitchen? kitchen floor?" And I mean, I, I praised that floor. It, was, I, it had value to me. It had worth to me. And that is what praising is. That's the derivation of the word praise" is to give something worth, to give it value. You know, you appraise a home. Um, when you praise something, you are giving something value. And, and to, to me, that floor, that floor had value. Um, I think everyone in this room can think of different things that we have in our lives that we praise, that, we, that are valuable to us. Our children, if you're a parent. Our parents, if you're a kid. Um, our job, in many ways. We can praise because we love the job. Our husbands or our wives or our friends, whatever it is that we love, that we, we cherish, we, we praise it. We think, it's, we think it's a wonderful thing and we give praise to it. Um, I know that when my kids have done something like artwork, this happened yesterday, they were doing art and they painted a picture and what do they want to do? They don't want to just look at it and create it, but they want to show it off. I want to show it off. Look, Daddy, look what I did. And um, the quote that I put in the very front of the bulletin from C.S. Lewis hits on this. Like when you hear those love songs, uh, the love songs that people sing. Um, uh, Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? It's not enough for you to think something's valuable. You want the world to think it's valuable too, Right? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it glorious? Like, you want, you want the world to think it's valuable. You want to praise it, and you want others to praise it. And in many ways, that's what Psalm 146 and the, the final five are talking about, is praise the Lord, and not just me, but everybody, the whole world. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But in fact, if you look at this psalm, the very first word uh, or excuse me, the very first verse, who's he talking to? Praise Jehovah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. In many ways, what the psalmist is doing is the psalmist is talking to himself. He's talking to himself. He's saying, self, praise the Lord. Uh, Thomas Biney, who's a theologian from many centuries ago, uh, He said in the first part of the Psalms, though we meet frequently with grief and shame and tears in the former part, a great deal that presses upon the spirit. And in the center, a great many references to the various vicissitudes and fortunes through which the church or the individual has passed. Yet as we get towards the end and as the book closes, it is hallelujah, praise. But he needed to say praise to himself because... He needed to tell his soul, praise the Lord, because we are so often distracted. You and I, we want to praise things. I want to praise what I value. I want to praise the things. But so hard, oftentimes it is so difficult to remember to praise the Lord. If you're here this morning, you hear, we have just sung hallelujah. We have just sung the beautiful word hallelujah. We have just sung praises to the Lord. But it's in many ways, it doesn't come natural to us because of our sin, because of the darkness over our hearts. Praising the Lord doesn't, become, doesn't come naturally. So you and I need to remind ourselves, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, praise the Lord. Not just body and mind, but heart and soul. Joe, praise the Lord. Joe, praise the Lord. We need to remind ourselves to do that. So hopefully you're somewhat discouraged by that. Um, But in verse 2, it reminds us that this is not just once, but our entire lives. We are singing praises for the lifetime of our being. This is who we are. Now and forever, you and I are praising the Lord. But then in verse 3, it gets really depressing because the psalmist points us to what is the worst and probably the most prominent obstacle to praising the Lord. Verse 3, put not your trust in princes nor in the Son of Man in whom there is no help. It is our natural desire, like dogs and cats, to go to the most shiny object. That prince is glorious in all of his armor and gold. Let me put all my hopes and dreams upon him. And then he'll eventually let me down. Okay, that wasn't good. I'll go over to this other prince, and this prince looks glorious and wonderful, and I love him, I love him. And then he lets me down. Now, if you are hearing this right now, you're thinking, well, we're Americans, we don't like princes. Um, And that is true. We don't like the hereditary princes, so what we do is we, we elect in princes, and we put all of our hopes and dreams upon that. And then we can kick them out because we're Americans. We kick them out eventually, and then we bring in another one that we put all of our hopes and dreams on. But it's not just our elected officials. It is anybody that we find influence and power and powerful. Anyone that we think is influential and powerful. Maybe not even just corporately, maybe not even nationally, but personally, that person is influential to my life. And so I put all my hopes and dreams upon that person. Uh yeah we put all of our hopes and dreams upon that person this happens often within marriages husbands put all their hopes and dreams upon their wives if, if my wife if she acts this way and does this and does this then everything will be better or or wives do the same thing oh i'm so glad that i have a husband that can do this this and this i wish he would do this better but he would do that and now all my hopes and dreams but if you're married you know that that's not the way it works right constantly disappointed in many ways. But it's not just marriages, it is relationships, it's friendships, it's any, It's in jobs. Everything that we have, we put our hopes and we praise these things and we trust them, and yet they let us down. These influential things. Um, I mentioned this in the first service, and I'll just say it again. Um, when I was in high school, this is what I would do. I don't I, this is how I operated in, in high school and to this very day, which is Joe Brown makes lists, okay? I make lists. I have talked to plenty of you. Some of you are list makers. Some of you hate list makers. Um, and that's all right. Please don't hate me. That's all right. But I make lists. This is what I do. When I need something, I make a list of something. Oh, okay, I need to accomplish this. I write out like seven things to get me to that one thing. And I got to say, making lists is wonderful. I mean, come on. Uh, It's wonderful. Uh, Making lists is a great thing. I I attribute some of who I am and success and all that stuff to the ability to uh, be organized in that way make lists. Lists are not inherently bad. But I do know my own sinful nature when things start going poorly in my life, when I have a bad interaction with someone, when someone cuts me off in traffic or someone's mean to me at Kroger or whoever it is, oftentimes when I'm upset about something, I go to my computer. (sighs) I'm going to write out a list now. Okay, I'm going to make a list. And that sounds so weird. And if you're hearing this right now, you have to admit that sounds weird, okay? And it's, it is weird. Um, but it, it, to me, it, it brings order to things. I have now brought order to what was chaotic in my life, and I brought order to it through this list. And sometimes it can be paralyzing because I know I need to do something, and yet I just, I got to make a list first. I got to make a list. That prince that I have set up of my list, that prince of that has let me down. Lists will let me down. Whatever the prince is in your life eventually will let you down. John Calvin famously said that our hearts are idol factories. We are churning out idols to bow down to. Um, In the parlance of Psalm 146, I might say our hearts are constantly directing us to praise something. Always directing us to praise something. And yet we usually miss the target. We usually are not praising Jehovah, the Lord. We're usually praising something else. And we need to constantly be recalibrated back to praising the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Because we know these princes are ultimately no help. So friends, outside of Christ, where are you seeking help? Where are you putting your trust, your faith, your hope? If it's that person that will ultimately die. Even the greatest person that walked the earth, Jesus Christ himself said that John the Baptist was the greatest person ever. Even John the Baptist died. He died a terrible death. All princes, even the greatest, most glorious ones, will die. And so, that's where we get to verse 5. Friends, to, t- to be able to praise the Lord, we need to cast away that which we usually praise. We need to cast away those things that will ultimately let us down. And I love that verse 5 begins with a word that you and I really, really, really want. Happy. Happy. We all want Happiness, blessedness, blessed. This is a beatitude. You know that Jesus had those beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, you know those? those? This is a a beatitude. Blessed is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, happiness is the great question confronting mankind. I think I would agree. You and I really want to be happy, don't we? This is Martin Lloyd-Jones. The whole world is longing for happiness and it is tragic to observe the ways in which people are seeking it. The vast majority are doing so in a way that is bound to produce misery. Anything which, by evading the difficulties, merely makes people happy for the time being, is ultimately going to add to their misery and problems. That is where the utter deceitfulness of sin comes in. It always offers happiness, and it always leads to unhappiness, and to final misery and wretchedness. We talk about sin all the time. If sin promised unhappiness, we wouldn't go to it, right? Sin promises happiness, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I want to be happy. You and me want to be happy. And that's why the psalmist says in verse 5, Happy is he that has the God of Jacob. Happy is he that has the God of Jacob. Friends, maybe we need to rest in that one sentence for just a second. Happy is he that has the God of Jacob. He has you. You have him. And when that is true, blessedness, happiness. We are on a search for happiness, and that search is in Psalm 146. The the end of that search is here. And so the rest of the psalm, and I'm going to run through these pretty quickly just because I think in some ways, I, I think it, it, it's kind of cool to see the inundation of qualities of this great God of Jacob that we get. When you read Psalm 146, some people have counted... Twelve qualities of our God in this psalm. In this psalm, starting in verse 5. Blessed is he that has this God. And so here's the God that deserves our trust. Here's the God that deserves our praise. This God is a God of Jacob. That means he's personal. He's historical. Jacob was a real man. He walked this earth and he was chosen out of the people. God chooses and he chooses in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name. Believer, you are personally chosen in Jesus Christ. And if you have been adopted and chosen in the name of Jesus Christ, then you are blessed and that is where your hope is. Praise the Lord. He's a loving creator in verse 6, made heaven and earth and the sea. This speaks to his power, his love. God creates things, and it is beautiful to him. The smallest little insect is beautiful to him. The greatest pinnacle of his creation, humankind, is beautiful to him. He is a creator God, a loving creator God. If you have been born of woman, and if you have been born from above, as Jesus says to Nicodemus, then you are blessed. Praise his name. Thirdly, he judges rightly in verse 7. He doesn't turn a blind eye to the pains and sufferings of the oppressed. But Spurgeon said this, our king surpasses all earthly princes because he pays no deference to rank or wealth and is never the respecter of persons. He is the friend of the downtrodden, the avenger of the persecuted, the champion of the helpless. If you are helpless this morning and in Christ you have walked maybe through the valley of the shadow of death, then you are blessed. You have hope this morning in Christ. Praise his name. Next, he provides. He gives food to the hungry. We think of the story of the Israelites in the wilderness. God gives them manna. We think of Jesus out on the mount And the people are hungry. He feeds them loaves and fishes. We think of you and I now, we need the constant provision from the Lord. That is one of the reasons why we have the Lord's Supper, to remind us of the provision of God, that he is always giving us the many great things our God provides. Our God brings freedom to the prisoners. We have freedom. Christ has set us free. You think of Joseph rotting away in a jail, and God lifts Joseph out of prison, and he sets him free. Daniel in the lion's dead. Daniel's buddies in the fiery furnace. Jesus sets us free. The sin that easily entangles you and me. The devil who desires to keep us trapped in our guilt. The world that des- desires to distract us with many things, and even death doesn't have the final word we have victory in christ we are not slaves to sin we are free in christ next we he brings sight to the blind he opens the eyes of the blind if you have been blind through faith in christ you can see we are blind and now we can see if that is you then friend you are truly blessed you are truly blessed your hope is in the Lord. Praise his name. He restores the lowly. He raises them up that have been bowed down. I think of the woman who uh, was caught in adultery and laid before Jesus. She was uh, condemned, and they wanted to condemn, him before, condemn her even before she was judged rightly. And what does Jesus do? He stands before her, and he deflects from her and lays the guilt, lays Her sin upon himself If you have been bereaved if you have been defeated despondent or despairing then through faith in christ He raises you up You are truly blessed. Your hope is in the lord. He loves the righteous. That's his people If the righteous are the people that have been cleansed by christ Cleansed by the blood of christ. Those are the righteous. He loves me He loves you if you are in Christ, you are loved by the Lord of the universe. Praise his name. Praise his name. You are truly blessed. It continues. It doesn't even stop there. The next one, the Lord preserves the strangers. This is the first time of a triad of three of the lowest of low. The strangers, the foreigners, the people that don't belong, the people that are are uh, are. Outcasts the people that we don't understand and Jesus calls them in Jesus calls strangers in if you have ever been a stranger in a foreign land or if you have ever suffered the difficulty of Not being known in among the larger culture, but yet you are tiny you are insignificant Jesus sees you the Lord preserves you you are truly blessed Praise his name. He relieves the fatherless and the widow, the second of two, just the lowest of low, the orphans and the widows. These are the people that have no one to help them, no one to protect them, no one to care for them. And those lowest of low, the people that have no earthly authority that's actually caring for them, the Lord cares for them. If that is you, whether you're an orphan or a widow or the lowest of low or a stranger, if you have known what it is to be weak, if you have known what it is to be lost among a larger people who seem to have been found, guess what? Your Lord has found you. You are truly blessed. Praise his name. He's not done yet because it continues. The way of the wicked, he turns upside down. He is ready to tur- upset the apple cart. Among the wicked, those that seem to have everything going correct, those that seem to say, "I don't care about the Lord, but I'm going to move in this right direction." Guess what? Eventually, they are oper- already they are operating operating in an uh, an inverse relationship to reality, and the Lord's about to make it right. He's about to turn them upside down, friends. If you now maybe, but if you have ever followed the ways of the wicked. Maybe there are those of you in this room that say, you know what, I kind of like the way I'm doing it. Kind of like the way I'm operating life. I don't need the Lord. I don't need God. I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. I, occasionally on Sunday morning, I'll get a pep talk. But I'll just keep doing my own thing. If that's you, then hear this now. Turn away. Before the Lord upturns your apple cart. Because our Lord picks up his people. He will restore the righteous. He will make you perfect and holy. And then lastly in verse 10, the Lord shall reign forever. Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. If the Lord has been, then the Lord always will reign. If that's true, then his people, you and me, those in Christ, are truly blessed. And we desire to praise his holy name. So friends, who do you trust and who do you praise? Who do you turn to and give all of your praise and honor? All others will fail, but the great God of Jacob, the one who's described in Psalm 146, is perfect and holy. Now, I'm going to end by reading a story because I think this story is helpful for the way a lot of us operate. We have an understanding of who God is. And in this story, uh, God is the goat. Okay, go with me here. It's a, it's a strange analogy, I know. But in this story, it's a story by Mari Sendak. I know I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but he's the guy that wrote Where the Wild Things Are, and he's written uh, other children's books. But if you talk to Maurice, which would be difficult since he's dead, but if you were to talk to him, he would tell you that he doesn't write children's books. He writes books that anybody can read, uh, and for some reason, we always just keep giving them to children. Maybe we adults should read some of them, too. Um, But he wrote this one book before he wrote Where the Wild Things Are called um, Kenny's Window, And it's a story of a boy who has this dream. And in this dream, the guy, uh, uh, I I forget, somehow in the dream, he gets these seven questions. And these seven questions are then answered. Um, And I'm going to read a a little vignette story about uh, this one story, the second question. And the second question is, what is an only goat? Okay? What is an only goat? And so... In this story, God is the goat. And what I want you to see, I got to say, some people in the first service might have been confused by this because it doesn't end the way you think it's going to end. I'll just leave it there and then I'll explain afterwards. Kenny left a note on the kitchen table. It said, dear mama, I'm going to Switzerland. Back soon, Kenny. I hope my kids never do that. The valleys of Switzerland were deep in wildflowers and the mountains peaked out through the mist. Kenny bought a ticket and took a seat in a little train that climbed straight up the side of a mountain. Look, said a fat man pointing out of the train window, a waterfall. Everybody looked and said surprised things and took snapshot. Click, click. But Kenny didn't look. He waited. "'Look, Mama,' said a little girl with yellow hair, "'Snow!' "'Ah,' said everybody, click, click. "'Snow is very pretty,' thought Kenny, "'but it is not what I came to see.'" And he didn't look. When the little train came to the top of the mountain, Kenny bought a chocolate bar and went out to look for a goat. He stood in a little patch of snow and looked down into the misty valley. He listened to the faraway bells that echoed softly against the grassy, thick mountain walls. How beautiful, thought Kenny. But, and he sighed, they are only cowbells and I am looking for a goat. Kenny stepped carefully down the mountain, picking along the way a bouquet of wildflowers, yellow trolls, blue genetians, and pink mountain roses the path became less steep and the air smelled strong of animals. Kenny wrinkled his nose. He soon came to a village that had only four houses and a great deal of mud. My goat could not live here, said Kenny, burying his nose in the bouquet of wildflowers. <laughs> he was about to turn back when behind one of the houses stepped a little white bearded animal. A goat! cried Kenny and he arranged the wildflowers to look as pretty as they could. Then he pulled down his hair, straightened his tick. I don't know what a tick is, but it says tick. Uh, he straightened his tick and scratched some mud off his new brown, shot, uh, brown shots. The white goat, that's got to be shoes, the, little, the new brown shoes. The white goat watched Kenny, her little jaw swinging sideways as she chewed some grass. Kenny stood as straight as he could and said in a loud voice, I have come all the way from America to make you my only goat. The white goat stepped closer, eyeing the bouquet of flowers in Kenny's hand. These are for you, said Kenny, and he held out the flower for the goat to smell. My favorite kind, said the white goat. Thank you. And she nibbled at the yellow troll's. What is an only goat, she asked. An only goat, said Kenny, is the goat I love. How do you love me, asked the goat. I love you better than the waterfall, said Kenny, and the snowy mountains and even the cowbells. Ah, sighed the white goat, and she gobbled up, gobbled up the blue genetians. When will you stop loving me, she asked. Bits of blue Genesians spat spatted her white beard. Never, said Kenny. Never, said the white goat, is a very long time. And she sniffed at the pink mountain roses. Will you feed me yellow trolls, blue genetians, and pink mountain roses in America? Uh, no, Kenny answered, but there are buttercups and black-eyed Susans in my backyard. Can I stand on a mountaintop in America and listen to the cowbells? No, Kenny answered, but you can sit on the roof of my house and listen to the beep-beep of the automobiles as they go rushing by. Can I lie in the mud in America? No, Kenny answered, my goat must be pretty and clean and wear a silver bell around her neck. The white goat looked sadly up at Kenny. An only goat is a lonely goat, she said. But we'll play together, cried Kenny, and, and tell each other funny stories. I don't know any funny stories said the white goat. Not even one? No, she said. Then perhaps, began Kenny. Perhaps what, asked the white goat. You are not my only goat, he finished sadly. That's true, said she, chewing up the last rose. You have made a mistake. Kenny took the chocolate bar from from his pocket and gave it to him. This is for you, he said. My favorite candy, said the goat, gra- gobbling it up in one bite. And I hope you find your only goat. Thank you, said Kenny. And he went back up the mountain. He bought a ticket, took a seat on the little train that went straight down the side of the mountain. From the window, he saw the lovely white snow and his heart beat fast. He saw the great tumbling waterfall and he was filled with happy longing to be home. When the train came to the station, Kenny sent a telegram. It said, dear mama, coming home, your only boy. See, Kenny had a view of what his only goat would be, and it didn't quite fit. His only goat was a goat that would be perfect and wonderful and and stand on his roof and listen to cars, a goat that he could package neatly and do his own thing with, a goat that would be sort of look kind of like him and, and a dog maybe. But this goat is a wild goat, and friends, our God is a wild God. He will not adhere to our rules. He will not adhere to the things that we want to cling him to, to weigh down upon him. Jesus Christ is the only goat. Jesus Christ is the only goat that if Kenny had been, had his eyes opened enough to give praise to the one and only goat, then he would have a great blessed life. But he knew what was better for himself. So friends, I just tell you now, the great God who is praiseworthy, who is wonderful, he is glorious. Jesus Christ is our only goat. Go to him. He is the one that will keep you blessed. And if you want to know what that looks like, read Psalm 146 again, and it will describe to you the goat, the God that loves you. Hallelujah, that is a god that is worthy to be praised. Let me pray for us. You are worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah, for your name's sake. We thank you that you bring us into your fold, that you protect us, that you care for us, that you provide for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you reign over us. You are eternal you condemn the wicked, you support the orphan, widow, stranger, that you love your people, you restore the lowly, you bring sight to the blind, freedom to the prisoners, that you provide, you judge rightly, you are a loving creator, you are personal and historical. All praise to your name. Help us to believe that and to see that today. In, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.